What, we some kind of suicide squad? I am Iron Man. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Server Anakin, I have the high ground. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Big Movie Boys podcast, the only podcast that had to delay its release date due to coronavirus. I'm your host, Jeremy Bauman, and with me, as always, is Bob, coming soon to rent on VOD Liebel. How you guys doing? And Ben, screenwriter, I hardly know her, Stitch. How's it going out there? We've got a lot to talk about this week, including some unexpected news and trailers, a live look into the writer's room of the coronavirus movie, and a review of Netflix's newest movie, Extraction. But first, this is a brand new podcast, and I think we should all get acquainted. So Ben, what is the Big Movie Boys podcast? So basically what you got here, it's a podcast where three unqualified people talk about movies and other subjects around the TV and movie industry, just from a more regular person's perspective, because, you know, God knows we don't actually know what we're talking about over here. That is an absolute fact. Anything you want to add to that, Bob? Um, I would say I'd I'd stress unqualified. We we definitely (laughs) don't know what we're talking about, but it it is an everyman perspective. So if you don't want to hear a bunch of uh, film buffs or entertainment, you know, people talking about stuff in like a way that you wouldn't understand we're, we're kind of the everyman podcast for you so where can you listen to this podcast well obviously you found it one way or another so you can listen to it there but we should be assuming everything works out available on all the major podcast platforms spotify apple Podcasts. you can find us on youtube by searching big movie boys b-o-i-s boys there is no video component yet as we are all recording from our respective homes practicing social distancing but hopefully once things return to some form of normalcy we can add a video component as well feel free to follow us on twitter at big movie boys or if you have trouble remembering or finding any of those links simply go to bigmovieboys.com and you should be able to find everything i just mentioned so let's just jump right into the first thing we're talking about today which is some unexpected news Uh, Most of the news these days, obviously, is just that movies are being delayed, projects are being put on hiatus. We did get a little bit of that with Venom 2 being pushed from a release date of October of this year, moving to June 2021. But along with that announcement came the new title for the movie, Venom Let There Be Carnage. Now, I know Bob saw the first Venom. Ben, did you ever see the first one? No, I did not. I was not a fan of the first one. I don't know that Bob was either. Bob, do you think that anything about this movie could be good? Does this title instill any confidence in you that this could be anything better than the first movie? Ah, It's hard to say because Tom Hardy is my favorite actor. So although Venom 1 sucked, don't get me wrong, I mean, it was a very bad movie. I still can watch it because I love Tom Hardy just because I think he's the coolest guy in the world. Also, we've never seen Carnage on the big screen. So If they can somehow pull off Carnage being cool and then Tom Hardy can be Tom Hardy, I think there's a chance it could be good. Well, if the only uh, visuals we have associated with Carnage so far is the end of Venom 1, sorry Ben, I'm going to spoil it for you, where Woody Harrelson is wearing a big fake red wig, so I'm not super super confident that Carnage is going to look cool on the big screen. I I love Woody Harrelson too, so I mean if he can Nothing wrong with him. But in a giant red Ronald McDonald wig? 
if anyone could pull it off, it would be the Woodster. So, so he is the bad guy. Was he in the uh, first movie a lot? No, I believe it's not. A, not is at it all. a post-credit scene or the oh, very end of the movie oh, okay. where he just? I think it's a post-credit scene. He the looks la- in the yeah. camera and says, "There will be carnage." And they knew the title that. of this movie so years ago. Well, I believe he says in the movie there will be carnage, and the title is "Let There Be Carnage." So already some inconsistencies, but what can you expect from Sony? I just wish that they... I hope this movie bombs. The first one made a billion dollars or whatever. Do you think they're going to have... Because can't they put the Tom Holland Spider-Man in there? Yeah, and apparently they're going to because Sony is drunk with power. What the fuck? That is going to ruin it. It's, it's not going to ruin that movie. It's going to ruin the, like, the MCU Tom uh, Holland Spider-Man. That's what it's going to fuck up. That movie's going to suck regardless. Like... Adding Tom Holland in isn't going to make the movie any better or any worse. It's already probably going to end up sucking pretty bad. Yeah, all I can really hope for at this point is that some way or another, Sony just gives the rights, not even to Disney, just give them directly to Kevin Feige. Just let him do whatever he wants with them. I'm sick of Sony's bullshit at this point. But yeah, needless to say, this title does not instill any confidence in me that this movie is going to be any good. So from my end, it doesn't sound like either of you guys will be attending... If, if movie theaters probably won't be open, but I'm guessing you won't be seeing this in 2021. Uh, not unless the Big Movie Boys podcast survives until June 2021 and we're doing it for this. Uh, otherwise, no. I would not like to support this movie. I usually only see superhero movies and Jeremy buys tickets for opening night and he buys two. So unless he's buying the tickets, probably not going to see it. I think I have to take away your uh, world's biggest Tom uh, Hardy fan card then, Bob. Oh, shit, man. Well, speaking of movies that we won't be seeing in theaters, the newest movie making its debut not on the silver screen, but in your home is Scoob, going straight to video on demand. It seems to be following the industry standard of a $20, 48-hour rental. It's coming out May 15th. Not a movie I was probably going to see in theaters. Not a movie I'm probably going to spend $20 to see in my house, but one that at least caught my attention with the trailer. I don't know if you guys had any interest in this in one way or another. No, Jerry, yeah, you told us about it and um but like and we do, like briefly talked about it, but I won't spend $20 on any movie, I think, let alone like this type of movie. And when you're spending $20, I feel like they should just let you own it at that point. Like just let you download it and have it because that's a lot of money. I feel like it's it's perfect for like a family, like when they have kids, that's probably the perfect movie to watch right now during the quarantine, but other than that, I don't I don't see like flocks of people going to, like to just spend twenty dollars to have this right now. To be fair, I th- I think for twenty five dollars you can uh, purchase a digital version of it. Oh, okay, see that? Yeah, why would you not just spend the extra five dollars? Like like if you're spending that much money just to have a movie for forty eight hours, like what's the point? Just wait for yeah, just buy it on DVD and you can watch it forever. Yeah, I mean, that would be my mentality. Luckily, I'm not in a position where I'm quarantined with two or more children that I have to keep entertained every day. So, I mean, in that situation, I could see spending $20 to shut my kids up for two hours might be worth it. But again, this wasn't really a movie I was super interested in as far as going to see it in a theater. If it comes out on Netflix at some point in the future, I'll probably put it on. But until then, I don't think I'll be spending $20 on it. That's probably the main audience, I would assume, just parents and kids, because no one else is, yeah. 
Well, the final bit of news is HBO Max has a release date of May 27th. That announcement came with a few more announcements as far as uh, the content that will be available to stream. A uh, trailer, a couple trailers, one of them for the new Looney Tunes cartoon show that's coming exclusively to HBO Max. Uh, I don't think we'll spend too much time on this topic. We'll probably come back to it in a month or so when we're closer to the launch date. But, Ben, was there anything about HBO Max that had you interested? No, you brought it up recently, but just the only thing that makes me more intrigued is if like Warner Brothers, like all those movies are on there. That's when I'd be more interested. Right now, it's just I already have HBO and like the HBO Go, HBO Now. Like you get all the shows that they're producing already. But if you bring in like all the movies, then that makes it more intriguing. And if you like kind of morph them together, otherwise, I don't want another HBO. That's more money that I am not going to be spending right now. Yeah, dude, I have HBO through Prime Video, and, like, I have everything I need to see on there. So when this comes out, unless they take, like, that away, there's no reason I would get it. The only thing I really watch on HBO is The Sopranos anyway. So when it, when this streaming service comes out, I might end up getting it and then just rewatch The Sopranos. Yeah, I think, I think the idea moving forward, obviously not right away, is that HBO Max is going to kind of consolidate all their other streaming platforms hbo go hbo now will eventually fade away everything will convert to hbo max again the name i find confusing or misleading at the very least because it's it's more the warner brothers streaming service it's not just hbo there's everything on hbo plus most of warner brothers catalog of movies a um, bunch of different TV shows that they got the rights for. Friends was one that they pulled off Netflix recently. They got the rights back to that. Um, Rick and Morty will be off of Hulu and on HBO Max. So th- there's a lot more than just HBO, which I think is confusing. I don't know why they're leaning so heavily on the HBO brand. Yeah, they need to do a better job advertising those things. Like Those are the things I don't hear about. That, right. That's what would keep them afloat, too. Friends and Rick and Morty, stuff like that. I feel like people would... that'll Yeah, that'll get people to come from Netflix. If it's exclusively on HBO, then I feel like, yeah, people would actually convert over. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they got a month left to, to market the thing. Again, I, I think it's something that most people will eventually just convert to because I'm pretty sure it's 15 bucks. It's the same price as HBO, and you're getting more for it. So I think once people understand that, then more and more will convert from whatever version of HBO they have now into HBO Max. So it's not them trying to make you spend $15 on two different things. It's them just morphing it into one. That's my understanding of it, yeah. I think it's something that I don't know that most people are excited for, but most people will probably end up getting. That's just my prediction. Like I said, we got a month to find out. We'll see what it looks like on the launch day, what people are thinking about it. But we got a little time before all that happens. That pretty much wraps up all the news, probably the most news that there has been in about a month at this point. But that's fine. We don't need news. We've got plenty of other dumb ideas that we can fill a podcast with. And one of those is that we decided that we should write the coronavirus movie. I got to imagine there's at least three to 6,000 scripts in the works right now that have something to do with the current state of affairs and coronavirus. And we thought we should we should get in on that. We should make our pitch to Netflix before anyone else does get a little bit of that Netflix cash. So the way this is going to work, we each have a pitch prepared. 
whoever is pitching, the other two are going to play the roles of Netflix executives, and together they will decide if this idea is good enough to get greenlit, or if we're kicking that guy out the door and he can go start on his next coronavirus pitch. Uh, we're going to start with Ben. And Ben, I believe my associate and I are ready to hear what you brought for us today. All right, here we go. It's a very, very rough draft. That's that's all I have to say. All right, so here goes. So Jason Bateman and his family live in New oh, York City. Oh, greenlit. All right. Where he <laughs> figured I'd use part of that Ozark. So him and his family live in New York City where he works for the CDC and knows about an antidote that works. But his friend, in quotes, because he's not a good guy, Josh Brolin, who is also in charge of the CDC, won't release it because he has always had a crazy idea about population control. And now there is a disease that is helping the population decrease. At first, we don't know this about him, and Brolin's character is just acting as if he doesn't believe the antidote will work. Bateman sneaks out the antidote where he has to give this antidote to his wife, who's played by Charlize Theron, who has become very ill from the virus and is near death. Afterwards, Bateman realizes that Brolin has been trying to stop the antidote from being produced worldwide and goes to turn him in, but Brolin stops him before he can do that. There's a huge fight scene and Bateman ends up killing Brolin. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Why is Brolin in charge of the CDC if he has a wild agenda about letting millions of people die? My answer for you is that it doesn't matter because we have a president telling us to inject disinfectants into our bodies, so really is that so unbelievable? That's my pitch. God damn, that was amazing. <laughs> I... There you go. Wow. So, I feel like I just watched like I the movie. Yes. I just watched <laughs> the movie. That I I love it. I love the casting. I love. I take back this. what I said about Scoob. I would pay twenty dollars <laughs> to rent that movie. There you go. I love that. I love that Josh Brolin is somehow an evil guy in charge of the CDC yes. and has a secret agenda. Love it. Love it. So the I, the only thing I couldn't get was a title. Is there any title you guys could come up with for that? Oh man. Let's see. A movie where Josh Brolin is obsessed with controlling the population. <laughs> could um, it be Endgame? I'm thinking Infinity oh. War. <laughs> that, <laughs> that just that just came to my head. That could wow. work. Oh man. Okay, so I don't know. Is is there is this gonna be like an action movie though? Is it gonna be like a like a serious drama like what's the vibe of the movie or no. is it going to be an action comedy because i would like that you know i i thought action comedy at first because i like jason bateman a lot in like arrested development where he's hysterical but he's so popular in ozark where he plays this dramatic character i think it's more like dramatic thriller okay, okay. you have that big fight scene i don't know how jason where's the fight would scene? be able to kill josh but let, let me add something can the fight scene be on top of the empire state building oh absolutely <laughs> okay. yeah brolin's basically uh What's what's that giant monkey's name? King Kong. King Kong. King yeah. Kong thank you. What, do you mean the only giant monkey? What I, other that, giant it escaped me. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sure there's one in Rampage with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, it's King Kong. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, then never mind. Here's my only thing though: is that if you have Jason Bateman, big fan, love the idea. There, there's got to be a comedic element because I mean, I, I haven't oh, seen yeah. Ozark personally. He was in uh, The Outsider, and that's a dramatic role for him. But when he, I love him in his comedic roles personally. Mm-hmm. What if he, after he kills Josh Brolin, goes, "Pepper needs a new pair of shorts." <laughs> <laughs> we can probably work that in there. You know, or he just says we... something from Dodgeball. Any any line in Dodgeball, he needs he needs to also repeat it in this movie for some reason. You know, once we get into the script, we're gonna we're gonna be real liberal about the the actors are gonna be involved heavily in the process. We'll let them put their touches on it. That's for sure. 
Oh, I love it. So how does he kill him? So we, I think we, you established Empire State Building fight to the death. Is he being thrown I, yeah. off? I think that's the only way to do it, right? Because like, what I don't if, think. Yeah, Jerry, if I it. may interrupt, what if Jason Bateman injects him with Clorox? Oh wow! Right into his heart, there, like he just has an injector. There you go. Just kills his ass that way. But are you risking that he actually heals? <laughs> He's like, here, we'll test it once and for all. And <laughs> yeah, and it actually works. Well, well, I mean, my, my associate here seems to be speaking for both of us. But <laughs> he's not under. He's not doing a good job of uh, keeping the I, price down. That's for sure. Greenlit it. I'll pay you a billion dollars to make this. <laughs> there we go. There's our answer. Well, it doesn't even matter what I think. I wouldn't have gone a billion, but you know, I'm, I'm okay with <laughs> this being greenlit. Bob <laughs> is not a great negotiator. <laughs> Three billion. <laughs> Jerry, you're next. Let's see if you can top it then. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy days. I know uh, Netflix has got to be on fire these days. So, Yes. Uh, the pitch I come to you today, the title is Dumbasses. Three morons start a movie podcast in the midst of a pandemic while podcast listening is at an all-time low, and there's no telling when they'll be allowed back into a movie theater. Oh. Wow, that sounds familiar. Sorry, that wasn't my pitch. That was my current reality. Anyway, my, my, my real pitch is a romantic comedy. A young woman, Julia Fox, is on the last night of a business trip to New York City when she meets up with some friends and goes out to a bar where she meets a young man Robert Pattinson. Mm. The two hit it off, bada bing, bada boom, the rest is history. Julia Fox wakes up the next morning to see that COVID-19 is now a serious issue and all the major sporting leagues are canceled. Shit is really starting to hit the fan. She is an immunocompromised germaphobe and insists on quarantining in her hookup's apartment for a few days while things blow over and then she feels safer traveling. Robert Pattinson allows her to do it, but will soon regret it when after when a few days turns into a few weeks. The bliss they felt for that one night does not last much longer. It turns out the two don't agree on many things, including how seriously they need to take their quarantine. After just four days, Julia is running out of patience, and Robert Pattinson is running out of condoms. The two go through a roller coaster of emotions while, until Julia eventually comes down with the Rona, and Pattinson finally realizes how much she really means to him. End of pitch. That's great. Wow. I like that. I love that it's a romantic comedy. What gets me wondering is that's actually happened to anybody. I, where they get I had the same exact thought. I mm. don't know. I imagine if it did happen, we'd hear a news story about it at some point or another. And then we can use their story as the basis for the uh, script here. Now, yeah. is it just these two? Is it going to be like basically contained to the apartment the whole time? I think so. That's how we keep the budget down. I like oh, that's it. That's good. Yeah, this, this sounds like a perfect 80 to 90 minute movie. We throw it on Netflix, put a little marketing into it, and it it's, it blows up. Just put Rob Pattinson's face on the on the, the title shot so people see that, and boom, you're watching it. And now, I will admit, it does border plagiarism towards the end here. I don't know if you ever saw The Big Sick, but uh, one of the major plot points in that movie is that the girl gets sick, and then that's kind of what brings the, the two leads together. Um, but it's a good movie, so I suggest we do plagiarize it. Yeah, just copy it. I like that idea a lot. Does anybody die at the end? Uh, I mean, there's just tens of thousands of people across the country. but <laughs> Not those people. We don't care no, about those No, no, absolutely In the not. movie, does anybody die? <laughs> no, God, no. 
Okay. Oh yeah, because we don't we don't want it, people crying at the end of this. We want them to feel happy. Some will we have a some fake positive effect. Um, I don't know about fake out death, but I think Julia Fox will be very near death. Definitely requiring a respirator and that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. And the and the ventilator is in his apartment, so they do ha- never have to leave. Sure. Yes. All right. I we like can that find any any. If we make him a doctor, excuse. we could really make this work. Yeah. What is Robert Pattinson's? What are their professions? So I'm, I'm thinking Robert Pattinson. He's the one who's not taking this whole thing seriously. That's kind of what oh, instigates okay. a lot of these. A lot of these fights. Is he a bad boy? Is it a bad boy, Robert Pattinson? Is Robert Pattinson ever not a bad boy? <laughs> I know. I'm just making sure. I mean, I can't have good guy Robert Pattinson in, in, in my movies. He is a non-central worker. He gets laid off pretty quick. He's just sitting in his apartment smoking weed all day. He's still going out oh, to yeah. get you know food from restaurants and stuff. Julia Fox is not having it. She's not a fan of him leaving all the time. I think I'm in. I don't know if we'll go as high as a billion. Bob, we'll, you are not the negotiator in this one. <laughs> I, I think we're in for $2 billion. <laughs> I, think this would, I think this would actually work. If you got people actually writing this script, making some, some stupid little jokes here and there, I think people eat this stuff up. And if Robert Pattinson does something sexy in the movie, Which I think he, we're good. Which is undeniable. It will happen. Yeah, you just have to put the camera on him. I think, we'll, I think you might have something here. I mean, I, I try to cast the two best-looking people in movies these days. So, I mean, regardless, if these two were in a movie, I would turn it on. I, I think agree. you might have something. I think this this is greenlit for sure. For $4 billion, <laughs> we're making your movie. Wow. A one-room <laughs> movie with a $4 billion budget. <laughs> Unheard of. We're going to need all of it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm now going to put my executive cat back on, and my associate Ben and I are going to listen to Bob's pitch. All right, gentlemen. Thank you for coming to this meeting today. I have a movie that I'd like to pitch to you about the coronavirus. Now, first and foremost, in this movie, the coronavirus will be its own character. It will be the narrator of the movie. Now, who is going to voice the coronavirus? None other than the one, the only, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken voices the coronavirus in this movie and is sort of told through he's he's the narrator basically and you, he's going around kind of kind of like moving the plot along. The main character however is played by the one and only Brendan Fraser of the mummy fame. Um, <laughs> Brendan Fraser uh, lives in this big fancy house. He's kind of his character is like rich and you don't really know what he does for no reason at all. He's just super rich. He goes on to a quote. He goes to a quote unquote business trip to China. Um, ends up getting a little bat soup. You know, tales old as time. We know what happens there. Turns out he gets the coronavirus. He's patient zero now. However, he is asymptomatic. He doesn't show any symptoms. He has no idea he has it, but he's infected. He comes home to his big luxury home, and there's his hot ass wife, Scarlett Johansson. Now, also greeting him at the door is his son, Jonathan Lipnicki. Now, you guys might not know the name Jonathan Lipnicki. Anybody know the name Jonathan Lipnicki? A little, little bit of an older name. I know the name. I can't put a face to it. He plays the young boy in Stuart Little and in that, that little white kid in Like Mike. Okay. Now, okay. obviously, he's a little old now. So what we're going to do is we're going to have to digitally de-age him <laughs> to his childhood self. <laughs> so we have a de-aged Jonathan Lipnicki and Scarlett Johansson. What Brent is this Frank, casting? It's, it, no, it's the best casting ever. <laughs> so we then come back and Brent Fraser's like, what's up, Scarlett Johansson? Like, 
I, I was just in China, and he just p- plants a big old wet smacker on her, and then he shakes his son's hand very violently. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, Brendan Fraser goes upstairs. You know, he goes takes a nap. He's got he's a little jet lagged. He comes back downstairs the next morning, and Scarlett Johansson is just dead, just sitting there dead. <laughs> he gave her the coronavirus. She is dead. Good and use he's of like, her oh time. My God. Oh my! Well, yeah, she's a little expensive these days, so we're gonna we're gonna try to save. She's only gonna be in the scene or in the movie for about one scene, maybe like two minutes of screen time. Uh, Jonathan Lipnicki is like, "Dad, I'm sick," and he's also gonna die shortly after. And Brendan Fraser is like, "What in God's name is going on? My wife and son are dead. I am at rock bottom. What do I do?" So he turns to his past. Turns out he is the son of a famous politician. His great-great-grandfather was a famous politician, notoriously known for being a very fair politician who cared about the people, wasn't corrupt. Now, this this uh, character will be played uh, in flashbacks by Sir Ian McKellen. And Brendan Fraser decides, I'm going to, you know what, I'm at rock bottom. I need, to, I need to find out what I need to do with my life. I need to find my purpose. So he decides he's going to also become a politician. So he wants to run for governor. Now, he needs a campaign manager. Who does he get? He knows somebody through the grapevine, this, this hard-ass, badass, best campaign manager ever. He's retired from campaign managing because it took, took a toll on his body because he's so good at it. And he, 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 he's the guy that got Donald Trump elected. He, he, just, he, can, he can do anything. This character is played by Ricky Gervais. So <laughs> Brendan Fraser goes to a bar where Ricky Gervais hangs out, and he's like, Ricky, I need your help, bro. I'm running for governor. Is he and contaminating Rick- all of these people, Bob? Y- yeah, yes, he, he is contaminating all these people, yes. He's going around contaminating everybody. Turns out Ricky Gervais is also asymptomatic, so he's got no problem. So the two of them, they don't really know. They both have it. They're giving it to everybody. So Ricky Gervais and Brendan Fraser going around giving coronavirus to everybody. Uh, it takes a little bit of convincing, but Ricky Gervais decides he will come out of retirement to help Brendan Fraser because he respects the name of Brendan Fraser's great-great-grandfather, Sir Ian McKellen, and what a fair and just politician he was. So he's doing it as a favor to the memory of Sir Ian McKellen. So, like I said, Ricky Gervais, amazing campaign manager. Brendan Fraser becomes the front-runner in the, the, the race to become governor. Now, he is going around, he's kissing babies, he's shaking hands, he's asymptomatic, he's giving it to everybody. Brendan Fraser just, is just spreading it to everybody at this point. Now... We've reached a full-blown pandemic, and there is something that I left out of this part of the movie. He is running for governor in the great state of Massachusetts. This movie takes place in Boston. Turns out there is a hard-nosed Boston, uh, Boston uh, Department of Health, uh, uh, Massachusetts Department of Health employee, complete badass. He lives and breathes Boston. And he is the one that is going to take down the coronavirus. Now, I'll give you one fucking guess. I know. Who do you think I cast? I know who it is. <laughs> who is Just it? tell me, Bob. Who is it? <laughs> it's the one and only motherfucking Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg <laughs> is here to stop coronavirus. And he, he, he knows. He figured out that Brandon Fraser patient zero and Mark Wahlberg needs to put an end to coronavirus. So, basically, a lot of Mark Wahlbergisms ensue. And Mark Wahlberg takes down the coronavirus and kills Brendan Fraser and Ricky Gervais. And the movie. Wow. Oh wait, wait! I forgot one part. Uh, there is going to be a scene. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan are going to be in the movie too. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to be in there somehow. So, well, yeah. I, I was gonna. My first question was going to be: So Brendan Fraser's the bad guy. So that's obvious now. 
he does he doesn't get played as the bad guy. You realize he's a bad guy later when Mark Wahlberg tells you, God damn it, this guy's a bad guy or he's gotcha. something like that. How long is huh. Brendan Fraser contagious and asymptomatic if he's <laughs> Sounds like six weeks. No, it sounds like eight months. months. <laughs> it's never never disclosed. You're just we're gonna play it like it's the entire movie. He's always contagious. Wow, I and in six months in he's still campaigning out there, huh? Kissing babies. That's yep, still a thing. there's a lot of scenes where he's just smacking lips with people and Shaking hands very uh, aggressively. Yeah. What do you that's think? That's interesting. Now, I'm starting to realize why you drove the budget <laughs> up for our movies, because you're going to require a multi-billion dollar budget for this piece you just pitched here. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a lot. I mean, most of it's going to go to uh, Chris Ducker and Jackie Chan. They're, they deserve <laughs> the money. So about half of the budget will be going to their salaries. I'm assuming Brendan Fraser For the roles that weren't even included in that 15-minute pitch. Yes, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to be in there somehow. Um, I, gu- I guess I'm confused on why we need Christopher Walken to be the coronavirus <laughs> vantage oh, point. Oh, yes, I, for- I I almost forgot. Christopher Walken will be narrating the entire time as, <laughs> as the um, coronavirus. Oh, wow. Now, here, here do you, what do you guys think? Should he? I was, I was torn between Christopher Walken and Morgan Freeman. I just think Christopher Walken would be a little funnier. Yeah, his voice fits the coronavirus more, I think, than Morgan Freeman. When you were setting it up, I thought you were definitely going with Morgan Freeman, but... Three for a loop. Now imagine the trailer. It's Christopher Walken just, like, introducing the coronavirus. And then all of a sudden, Mark The trailer is when Mark Wahlberg comes in. (laughs) Kicks down a motherfucking door, and he's shirtless, of course. He doesn't wear a shirt at the (laughs) Massachusetts Department of Health. Does he wear a mask? Or no, we gotta keep his face in the tent. He doesn't need one. He he can't get the coronavirus. He he would punch the coronavirus so hard in the face that he would kill us. That's how he ends it. I'm sorry, I didn't even think about how I was going to end the movie. Mark Wahlberg is going to is going to somehow pull Christopher Walken out of like the ground, <laughs> and it's like this is the coronavirus; it's come to life, and then he's going to beat the shit out of Christopher Walken. Interesting. Yeah, that's and I, and I enjoy the fact that he kills a leading candidate for governor. And I'm assuming there's no consequences, right? No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> he actually is. Then he takes over, and he's running for governor, and he ends up winning. Now, Bob, my only question before I let you know if I think this should be greenlit or not is, are you currently symptomatic of the coronavirus? Because this sounds more like a fever dream than a movie pitch. <laughs> I, I don't, Not that I know of. All right. Well, with that in consideration, I say it's greenlit. I agree. Yes. We're going to have to reach I deep agree. into our pockets to get this one rolling, but... I mean, we do have a direct line to Jackie Chan, so I think we can at least get that part off the ground sooner he, than He's going to also be, he, he'll be on every poster too, Jackie Chan and uh, Chris <laughs> I'm just excited to see where they fit in. I hope there's just some banter and it's it's just away from the movie and the plot in general. Yeah, it's probably going to split like midway through. We'll just go off on a tangent. It'll be rush hour four. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I'm looking forward to that movie. I'm honestly looking forward to all our movies. I think, you know, not to... yes. Not to toot our own horns over here, but I think we pitched three great movies, and I expect Netflix will be contacting us within days. I, we didn't even mean to. We found a movie in each in, a, in three different genres. I think that's pretty incredible. That's true. I don't know why unless, I went with the romantic comedy wasn't. angle, but <laughs> unless mine, Bob mine was going a, for serious, then I mine, then I mine is wrong, a, but... mine is in no way, shape, or form comedy. It is about as dead serious as you can get. <laughs> then I could have been wrong. <laughs> All right, well, I enjoyed that, but I think it's about time that we talk about a movie that was greenlit by Netflix. It was greenlit and made and released on April 24th, just a few days ago. 
directed by Sam Hargrave, written by Joe Russo, based on the graphic novel novel Ciudad by Ande Parks and the Russo Brothers, produced by the Russo Brothers, starring Chris Hemsworth and Rudraksh Jaiswal. I apologize for almost certainly but- it. butchering that yeah. name. Of course, we're talking about Extraction. Um, we're going to start spoiler-free, in case you haven't seen it. You just want to know our opinions on whether or not we thought it was good or bad, worth watching. We'll start spoiler-free for a little bit, and we'll very explicitly announce when we're going to start spoiling it. So, Ben, I'll start with you. Did you like it? Did you not like it? What are just kind of your general thoughts on Extraction? You know what? When we first decided to watch this movie... I was a little bummed. I was like, I'm not a big action movie guy unless there's some comedic element. But, you know, as it kept going along, it it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. And I actually ended up kind of liking it. What about you, Bob? For me, it's 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 not I didn't think it was good, but I also didn't think it was bad. For me, it kind of falls right in the middle. There were some parts about it that I thought, like, weren't the best, but there was also parts that I enjoyed so much. So I would say it's kind of middle of the pack for me. I, I think it, I think I enjoyed it, but I don't think it was super good. Jared, what do you think? For me, I mean, going into it, I was just excited to have a new movie to talk about. When we were talking about finally releasing these podcasts, we figured we'd be relying pretty heavily on old movies, which we will be, I'm sure. But to have a new movie, I was excited about that on its own. The trailer, I thought, was actually pretty cool. Um, it definitely gave me uh, like 21... Bridges, right? That was that uh, the other Russo Brothers oh, with, produced movie. Yeah, yeah, T'Challa in it. Yeah, um, similar vibes. I don't know if it was the same trailer house that cut those trailers, but knowing that, I knew that Twenty One Bridges wasn't very well received. So because of that, I wasn't very excited. I will say, character wise, plot wise, character development, pretty weak. But some of the greatest action scenes in maybe any movie ever. That's. I was gonna say that some of the action scenes and the camera, like I felt like I was in the fight. Did the the choreography, not only the stunt choreography, but the camera work that went into one scene in particular, but so many of the action scenes was legitimately some of the best I've ever seen. So, did you guys know this? I did a little research on the movie just because I wanted to see. I, I forgot how exactly Russo brothers were involved, but I looked up the director. He is a stunt coordinator. This is the first time he's ever directed a movie. That makes total but he sense. Is, First and foremost, the sun coordinator. And yeah, when I found out that, I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's why every single action scene is insane in this movie. And that's what I was saying earlier. The plot, kind of whatever. The character development, pretty shit. Um, but the action scenes in this movie are mind-blowing. Like, they are so good. That's, and that's what I was saying. Like, if you really sit down and dissect the movie, it's not that good. But when you, if you just go into, like, I don't know, have a good time, the action scenes are so freaking good. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's perfect way to say it, Bob. If you just want to watch a good like action movie and see cool action and like get kind of amped up, it's it's a good movie to watch. There's there's a 12 minute scene in particular. If you have no interest in, if if you're an an essential worker who doesn't have all the free time that we have, and you just want to watch 12 minutes of the greatest action you've ever seen, turn the movie on, start at 35 minutes, watch until the 47 minute mark. And you'll be absolutely blown away. That alone is worth watching, since it's you know free on Netflix. It's so good. It's so good, and that that particular scene, I think we're not going to get into it right now because we're not going to try to spoil it. But everything about the the way it's filmed, yeah, feels like Ben. You said it earlier. Feels like you're there. Feels like you're in the fight. 
and it, it's cut to be like one continuous shot and oh my god it's so for everything about it all the hits all the punches everything just like something about the noise or the way it's filmed or the way it looks it looks so like intense and real i feel like i can like i like i feel like i'm in it like i can feel it it's so it's so cool yeah, just to reiterate again, like how the camera angles are. There's the one scene in particular. Not it's not gonna be a spoiler. The, the car chase scene, one of the car chases, I suppose. I felt like I was in the back of the car with Chris Hemsworth driving. Dude, the camera goes from outside to inside the car, all in one fluid motion. I'm like, I just want to watch a 30 minute documentary behind the scenes <laughs> on how they organized all this. The preparation that had to go into that that must have been days of practice and trying to do it right in order to get that shot because like bob said it it's it's a 12 minute continuous shot obviously there's cuts in there some are hid better than others but for 12 minutes it's like uh 1919 <laughs> totally blanked on the name of that movie but there's 12 minutes <laughs> where it's just one insane action shot and it's so cool the other part that i loved about this besides uh, obviously the amazing action scenes and I think one of the things that makes them good is Chris Hemsworth, I think, is cast very well. He, he, he is a is a perfect fit for this type of character. And I almost want to see him in more action movies like this in the future. He's just so badass. Like, it just makes you think, like, wow, that guy's cool as shit. And it's not like, it's not like corny badass, like, like, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or something. It's just, like, truly badass. Like, wow, Chris Hemsworth is the fucking dude. Yeah, he, uh, there's a few moments where I think the director might have forgot this wasn't a Thor movie where he has like superhuman strength. <laughs> but for most of the time, it's, I think, fairly grounded, you know, as grounded as any of these high budget action movies can be. Um, one thing I'll say though, is that his name being Tyler Rake is such a Incredible. lame name <laughs> for <laughs> this kind of character. Like this guy is Thor. How are you going to tell I, me that <laughs> Thor is now Tyler Rake? I love yeah. how he used a rake at one point <laughs> <laughs> to to help him kill someone. That was incredible. I'm surprised he didn't have some cheesy like "say my name" and then he <laughs> kills a dude with a rake. <laughs> dude, this movie is very violent, though. That, so that was the other thing I wanted to bring up before we get into spoilers. Is I don't remember another movie since Hunger Games that is so cool with violence against children. Yeah, yeah, it was graphic. I mean, oh, the whole movie is pretty graphically violent. Like, there's a lot of fist fights, knife fights, gunshots, and they feel pretty visceral. Dude, the gunshots. The gunshots are like, I don't know, about something about like the way the blood spatters and the noise. And like, dude, holy crap. They, I mean, I watched this movie on my phone. God for damn some it, reason. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I could feel it. Like, it was, I could only imagine what it would like if I watched it on a television. But wow, this. <laughs> <laughs> but even in the phone i felt i felt every single hit every single gunshot it was it was crazy yeah i think uh obviously the movie strengths definitely the action uh it's more like the technical features of it i think there's a lot more care and effort that went into the the planning of the scenes the choreography the camera work than went into the script which i don't like saying because it was written by joe russo who obviously I'm a fan of, based on his previous work. Um, he may be a better director than a writer, though. Yeah, dude. The script... Uh, I'm still not fully... Uh, I don't think I even understood what was going on. I don't really understand the motive for 
out of this stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, why are you can? Um, this isn't a spoiler yet. Why you can tell from the trailer that they kind of like become friends. The boy that he is extracting. Um, I, why are they supposed to be like? Why do they care about each other? Why are they supposed to be like friends? Why is he trying to save him? Why is any at any point are we like? Tyler Rake is like a good guy and he's not going to like leave and let this kid die, even though he totally should. Like, I don't know. It just feels like very like surface level and they should have like dove into that a little more. Yeah. I feel like to really answer that, you'd we'd probably have to start spoiling, but I think it just became like a principal thing for Chris Hemsworth, right? He just, he had to get the job done. That's what I got out of it. Yeah. I, I think it's whatever excuse they give is pretty hand fisted. There's not a lot to it. They have like, only a couple, I don't know, character building moments. And in those moments, there isn't a whole lot of character building going on. But I don't know. Clearly, there's a priority when you make a movie. And script and character development was number 14 and 15, I think. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's start getting into spoilers a little bit. Is there anything else spoiler-free? Would you recommend people watch this movie, Bob? Um. Yeah, I would. Because... It's really the only thing out right now. It's on Netflix. It's if you're gonna go into it expecting like a really good story, then this isn't the movie for you. But if you want to go and just watch like a a badass action movie, this is a uh, a pretty good one, I would say. Ben, yeah, Jared, just to jump off what you said, if you, if you're a non-essential worker, get, give this a watch because <laughs> what else are you watching? If you uh, if you have a job right now. Uh, uh, an important job just uh maybe put this on the back burner think about it for another time yeah i think i'm pretty much gonna agree with you it's good to have a new movie to watch um the action is incredible and there's a lot of it so i mean that's i was entertained i liked it more than i thought i would mostly for the technical side of it my only thing would be if you're not a fan of the color orange don't watch it because this is the orangest movie i've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life yeah, that is pretty strange. They move those saturation right. sliders all the way to the right, dude, and everything is orange. Is that what Bangladesh looks like? like I'm confused. <laughs> dude, nothing, nothing looks color? like that. Everything is orange. The people, the buildings, the ground, everything is orange in this movie. But barring an orangophobia, I think it's worth watching. So with that in mind, if you do want to go watch it without us spoiling it, now's the time to pause the podcast. We'll be right here for you in an hour and 56 minutes when you're all done. And in the meantime, we'll move into a fully open discussion. Spoilers will be spilt. So the first thing that I just want to bring up is the very first scene of the movie and how this all opens up. You see Chris Hemsworth walking on a bridge. He's having a bad day, to put it mildly. He's all cut up and bruised and bloody, catches a bullet in the back. He's struggling even more, and then all of a sudden it cuts to two days earlier. I'm not a fan of that. I never oh. liked that. What? I liked it. You liked that, Bob? It immediately drew me in because I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I wanted to know, like, how did we get to this point? Which I think is the whole purpose of what they were doing. Um. I don't know. I enjoy. It. I, I like it better, and they do this a lot in movies where they'll start with a scene. The, the, Martin Scorsese does this all the time. They start with like a scene that's kind of like the turning point, and like, like you did in Wolf of Wall Street, you did it in Goodfellas, where like the movie starts and it's like the midway point of the movie, and like when you get there, it's like really where it takes a spin. I don't like that it was the scene that we started with was the exact like end of the movie, right? Because I didn't remember that until you just brought it up that that's how the movie started. 
I would like it better if it was like a midpoint in the movie, kind of like how Scorsese does it. See, and I agree with that. For me, it was like the whole time I remembered it and I was, I knew it was coming. And so I knew it wasn't, it didn't look like it was going to end great for Chris Hemsworth when he was shot in the back. And the, and the whole time I was like, well, I know he gets shot in the back and looks like he's about to die almost. Yeah, I, I'm not saying on, on principle it can't be done well. I don't think it was done well in this instance because, like Bob mentioned, the scene that you start the movie with is the scene that happens with maybe 10 minutes left. So it's basically the very end of the movie. And when it comes to different plot points in the middle, like when we meet David Harbour, is it Arbor or Harbour? It's Hopper. Yes, yeah, Hopper. I call him Hopper. <laughs> when we meet Hopper... And at that point, you're trying to tell the audience, like, okay, they're going to lay low in this guy's house for a few days. They don't have a few days. We know that within the next 24 hours, he's going to end up on a bridge and get shot in the back. So that gets rid of any tension going into that scene. You know something. You know what they're telling you is going to happen isn't going to happen. Yeah, the whole David Harbour flip-turn thing that happens, you could see coming a mile away. I'm just confused why he was in this movie. What was he in it for? Fucking a cup of coffee? Or was he just on... Was like the set next to Stranger Things filming this movie, and they're like, "God damn it!" You know, we said, "Dave, get over here." Like, Honestly, it might have been because he's introduced and we don't see him again in a matter of ten minutes of screen time or so. I think it was ten minutes, and boy, he turned quick. Yes, it was quick. It was almost immediately. But um, <laughs> he. I, I, but I like, I like, it was annoying because they were like playing up like their friendship and oh, he saved his life. And I get that he was only in there for a bit, David Harbour was, but like, I would have liked to know a little more about the backstory of why they're friends. Or like, also, why the fuck was this guy in India, or not India, in Bangladesh that just happened to be in the exact same place and have a, a home? Uh, you're touching on something why that. Is- there, there's a lot of points in this movie where just nothing is explained. I mean, let's talk Things about Chris happen. Hemsworth. Who is he? What is this group he works for that they can just go to foreign countries <laughs> and just kill everybody? I well, just don't at, know. At, at the very beginning, they made it seem as if he doesn't work with these people. Or, or well, he obviously knows these people. Of course, he's an addict. If if they wouldn't have made him an addict, I would have stopped watching. Because every if you, you need to be reluctantly called back in to save the day, and you need to be drinking, and he gives it up right away. Of course. I love the the when he was like super drunk at David Harbour's house and they had like their brawl. Like I was like, they drank a bottle of whiskey. How are they like? How is he moving around the way he is and he's not like stumbling? Yeah, I don't know. I think the most explanation we get is that they call him a mercenary. That he just gets called in to go to some other country. And I would like to make a note that his. KD was pretty goddamn impressive. I don't know what the body count is in this movie, but he must have put like 400 people down. I was going <laughs> to say, he, he killed at least a hun- like hundreds of people. It was insane. I mean, the very first building he walks in, he kills like 40 people right there. <laughs> and I don't think he takes three consecutive steps in this movie without ending someone's life. <laughs> Dude, he's he's going to have some hardcore PTSD. Or will Dude, he? it's... I, well, yeah, we, if we want to talk about that. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Oh, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but god damn, dude. Chris Hemsworth is such a badass in this movie. Well, okay, here's my question. What do you think his best kill was? Ooh. Well, for me, it's the rake one. I was ah, I was thinking the rake one. Too. The rake is definitely <laughs> high up there. Honestly, so we, we talked about the, the one cut 
or the one shot scene, we can talk about it a little more detail, but when it goes from the car chase to them running around that like apartment complex, whatever you would call it, and there's a couple instances where he's like close combat fighting three guys at once and he just like pushes one arm out of the way, grabs a gun, shoots another guy in the face two times, and he's like basically punching and shooting three guys at the same time. That happens <laughs> multiple times in this movie, and it's badass every time. Dude, Bang- I'm just going to say something before we talk about that. Bangladesh is, like, super fine with people just, like, walking into your house. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> how many times in this movie are they just, like, running through somebody's apartment and just fucking murdering people? Like, nobody even yells or screams. <laughs> no one's like, hey, what? What? I'm watching something. Does that happen all the time there? Like, it was so weird. But, yeah, dude, this, dude he is so badass in this movie. Just, I, I don't know, man. It, it, it's absolutely insane. And I feel like it's not too unrealistic he's just like this crazy i mean there's a few scenes i think the one where he picks up a human body and throws it at another person <laughs> that, that that's where they thought outrageous. they were shooting uh the next thor movie and forgot but that like, this was actually a tyler rake movie for the most part i feel like he's obviously super like everybody's outmatched against him because he's just like this super crazy fighter and shooter and he's, he can do everything fucking the best mercenary in the world and i feel like some of the the fight scenes i'm like no that seems realistic he's just a, he's stronger better faster he's just a fucking badass fight yeah it wasn't too out there for me the one thing i had trouble with was so the drug lord of bangladesh kidnaps the drug lord's son of india right is that it i think yeah it's india yeah and so there comes a point where he's lost about 400 men from tyler rake doesn't he just say hey you know what Let's let him get away with this one. We'll regroup. We'll kidnap him again, and we'll figure out a, a better plan. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure anyone, including the screenwriters, put too much thought into any of the plans that any of these people put forward. Um, the plot is definitely the weakest part. It's confusing at parts. It's pretty convoluted. I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I genuinely haven't put too much thought into it because I was just okay with the plot being a device that gets you from one action scene to another. I, I Honestly, I think that's the only service that it does for this movie. Um, we talked about the the relationship between Chris Hemsworth and Ovi, Ovi Jr. Didn't even know his name. Yeah. Oh, I, I had subtitles on, which is probably the only reason I... That's, that's how I know, and that's how I know Saju. Saju, yes, is... I don't know, his uncle? <laughs> I don't even know what the relationship is his there. Uncle, his uncle who's being threatened by death if he doesn't do what Chris Hemsworth is already doing. His uncle who is also the second biggest badass in the world. Yeah. Behind they, number one, Chris Hemsworth. You know, they didn't give him a proper send-out. They just shot him right in the head. That guy was fucking sick, dude. Like, yeah, I hated that he was just just killed off like they could have like made him like sacrifice himself or something more like in a better way to save ov but they just he was just sitting down and got shot in the head i think he took like four to six bullets in the chest prior to that as well i don't think he yeah. was doing too too well at that point um but yeah i mean we kind of we mentioned earlier but the relationship between chris hemsworth and ov is pretty i don't know forced like we find out that Chris Hemsworth had a son who died at six years old, and now apparently he. Oh, and I should also mention he wasn't there when his kid died, so I think that's all the motivation you get as to why he wants to be present and save Ovi 
as redemption for not being able to save his own kid. I Which mean, makes no sense. Yeah, he left his sick son to go back to to uh, Afghanistan, let his kid die without his father there, and then he's like, you know what? I need to save Obi because this is my son. I mean, yeah, that's doesn't make the, any sense. <laughs> I think that's what they're trying to tell you. <laughs> Obi's weak as shit too. Like I, I, I just don't get it. I feel like there needs to be <laughs> there needs to be like way more explanation into this kid. Like. What's that weird thing he does with his hands? Like he plays piano or something when he's plays nervous. Plays pianos when he's nervous, dude. What do you need to understand? <laughs> I'm like, okay, what? Like, is this your only like character trait? I don't know anything about this kid. I can't think of something any more opposite of Tyler Rake than getting nervous and playing an invisible piano. <laughs> I, I, I was surprised more. he didn't kill him there. I want to know more about the underage nightclub he went to in the beginning of the movie. Right? <laughs> what, what was yeah. that? How was he able to sneak out of that house with his, with his uncle, who's the fucking Terminator? How could he sneak out of that house without his uncle knowing? Yeah, and then when his friend got shot in the head, I was, oh, shit, here we go. Dude, this that's what I'm saying. Starting. So I mentioned the violence against kids. A kid gets shot in the freaking head. Another one gets launched off the roof of a right, building. That one was, that one was the, tough. Okay. I was like, wait, did he just throw that kid off the... Oh, my God, that was intense. Can we talk about that goon, the guy that did it, as possibly the ugliest person in the world? Dude, every time that guy was on screen, I couldn't get my eyes off him. It's like, what the fuck is this thing? <laughs> yeah, he was tough to look at. That also, that scene also introduced us to all the child soldiers who come back too many times in this movie. That was a plot yeah, line I were, didn't need. That that one kid was in it a lot, and who eventually shoots Chris Hemsworth in the back, but he was in it a lot. That that got me to yell. I was like, "Fuck!" Like, when <laughs> Chris Hemsworth got shot, and they show that piece of shit, I was like, "God damn it!" Like, no. So yeah, let's uh let's just talk about the ending here. Chris Hemsworth on the bridge. We get back to that introduction scene. He's trying to get Ovi to the other side of the bridge, and he catches that bolt in the back. Decides, Ovi, you got to run. I'm gonna kill four more guys just because if I kill four more guys, I can level fifty prestige real quick and call in a <laughs> UAV or something. I don't know. I don't know why he decides he just needs four more kills under his belt. He could have also just went with Ovi to the helicopter. That's what I, I'm saying. I feel like he could have got out of there. Yeah. He he makes a sacrificial play to walk 15 yards in the other direction, kill four guys, and then start walking towards the helicopter. That didn't make any sense to me. But then, yeah, he gets another shot in the back, this one going through his neck, and you see the, the child soldier, which... That son of a bitch. I don't, so the entire ending... And I'll just kind of lay it all out here. You guys can tell me how you feel. I don't particularly care for. I don't know that it's bad, but it's definitely not satisfying. And I don't know that anything really changed from the beginning of this movie to the end, other than obviously Chris Hemsworth is dead now. But Ovi still is in a shitty situation. I assume he's just going to get kidnapped again. Nothing. He's gonna. I mean, I, they do show... Um, Chris Hemsworth's lady friend kill the Bangladesh drug lord or whatever. But who's to say that someone doesn't just take his place and kidnap this kid again? Like, Yeah, I... the, the ugly guy. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, okay, so I thought the way they were going, I, I thought, this is so stupid, I thought I was like, dude, Chris Hemsworth is going to like take him to the U.S. and adopt him. It's like, you don't like your dad, right? Like. <laughs> I can be your dad, like, and the, I, I really thought that's where they were going. I don't he was know in why. Australia, but I, yeah, Bob, I oh, yeah, agree yeah, that. Australia. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did either of you see the movie Triple Frontier? It's another Netflix movie. 
I didn't. Came no, out like a year ago. I know. Yeah, with Ben Affleck, right? Yeah, that's another movie. This movie reminded me of this movie's better, I think. But it's just a lot of action, a lot of gunfights, and then in the end, one of the main characters is dead, and nothing really changes for the rest of the characters. Like everyone's just kind of in the same place or a shittier place. Yeah, Jer- you say he, you say he's dead. Is he dead? Well, we got to find out in Extraction 2, Jer. Also, yeah, how could they just get resolve it, Jeremy? There's obviously going to be a sequel. <laughs> Extraction 2, baby. He, he, they, sh- uh, so just to say, OV jumps into a pool, comes up, clears his face, real blurry. It's Chris Hemsworth. I'm not here's, stupid. Here's my question, though. Why is OV doing what Chris Hemsworth did at the beginning of the movie? They never jumping talked in. about that. Yeah, that was some uh, symbolic stuff there. That was the worst shot of the movie, was Chris Hemsworth <laughs> jumping off that cliff. That did not look good. No. Also, that cliff was about uh, 300 meters tall. <laughs> you would have died right on impact. But Chris Hemsworth just goes and meditates on the bottom. And I guess that makes us understand that when he was shot five times, that now when he jump, when he falls off the bridge into the water, he can just swim away. Water just regenerates his body. <laughs> also, when Obi jumped off that really like pussy, like maybe 10 foot uh, high dive, um, why didn't the lifeguard jump in? <laughs> he was just like at the bottom of the water. And not coming up for a, for a while. considerable amount of time. Why, isn't the lifeguard at that point supposed to save him? You would think so. But to answer your question, Bob, again, one line in the movie that you'd then have to extrapolate to have this bigger meaning. But Ovi tells him at, in, during one of their two conversations in this movie, um, you don't drown by falling in the river. You drown by staying in it. Is there some sort of connection there? Probably. Is it pretty loose and flimsy and left to interpretation? I would say yes. It means that Chris Hemworth, a.k.a. Tyler Rake, stayed down at the bottom of that river for 10 seconds, and then he, he swam to a hospital. Yeah, I don't know about that. I We're going to have to find out in so Extraction Jer- So, Jerry, do you think Chris Hemsworth died? I don't know how you can survive a bullet yeah, through you, your neck and then falling off a bridge. <laughs> you definitely can't, but they show him at the end, unless uh, Obi's hallucinating and it's just another, like, blonde white guy handsome. there then handsome yes he was handsome even blurry <laughs> but yeah otherwise that that was definitely chris Hemsworth. i mean sure I mean, that's definitely what they imply i got the impression it was more of kind of like the foggy flashback memory thing that uh chris hemsworth was experiencing with his son throughout the movie and that this is Ovi's version of it where he's experienced some foggy memory of chris hemsworth i don't know well i I could see Ovi having extreme PTSD from this. He witnessed 400 people get murdered in front of his eyes, but and he that's killed the only man. explanation. Oh yeah, that's a good point. He did kill yeah. someone too. He's pretty cool with uh, murder and death. And <laughs> I, I think Chris Hemsworth. To come back to that, we're gonna we're the only way we're gonna find out if he is is an extraction to Battle for Bangladesh. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Mark Wahlberg. Starring the one and only. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Where he stops the drug trade altogether. (laughs) Well, I look forward to Extraction 2 starring Mark Wahlberg. Uh, (laughs) Can you imagine if they get the movie with Mark Wahlberg and Chris Hemsworth? That would be incredible. Oh my god, take my money now. (laughs) While we wait for that movie to be made patiently, I would like to thank anyone who made it this far into the podcast for listening. Trying out a brand new podcast, we appreciate it. If you liked it, give it a positive review on whatever podcast app you're using. Maybe tell a friend if you think this would be their cup of tea. 
Thank you for listening again, and remember, there will be carnage. We'll see you next time.